On this episode of the Old Fashioned Podcast, we have Bing from Simplicity and Sound, a shop in Northern California in the Bay Area. And we'll continue this conversation that we had on our last podcast about the $3,500 system design. We'll get his thoughts, his ideology behind system design, and what's most important to him. So here we go. With Bing. So Bing is one of those people that I think a lot of people in the industry think that it might be just like a, a burner account where it's actually somebody else in the industry. Because I feel like a lot of people claim they've never actually seen Bing in person. Now I have, and I believe it was Bing. I've met him a few times at CES, but I know that there's a lot of other people out there who claim they've never seen him. I can yeah. vouch for him. Yeah, well, I think. He's I think I think we, we all uh, look alike, right? So it could be me. It could be somebody else the next time, right? <laughs> so for those that don't know, Bing works at Simplicity and Sound, and that's in the Bay Area, correct? Yeah, or uh, pretty much in San Jose, um, yeah. California. Yeah, I feel like I refer you a lot when people say, hey, I'm in the San Francisco or Bay Area. My ge geography of California is so terrible. <laughs> that I really don't even know where half the places are located in California. Cause I know that right. like you two, Gary and Bing, you guys are way far apart from each other. Right. Yeah. Like, eight, it's like eight a, hours. Yeah. Well, well, you know, I'm from the East coast, so uh, no one knows that how big California is. Yeah. You know, I'm from, you know, New Jersey. Yeah, I can drive through the state left and right in 45 uh -huh. minutes. And uh, now people say, Oh, I heard there's an earthquake. And I look it up. It's like, you know, death Valley and about, <laughs> eight hours drive away. So, but that's pretty normal. So another thing about Bing and his install style, I think he's most famous for the false floor. <laughs> have you ever done not a false floor? So have you ever done like, <laughs> have you ever done something that's on top of the floor? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand the question. <laughs> <laughs> I've done pretty much, you know, where it's vertical, so it's like a false floor, but shifted 90 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Everything is a variation story. of uh, of uh, false floor, right? Yeah. <laughs> is now, there is there like a reason behind you being the king of false floors, or because it's uh, practical? Yeah, I think it just it started probably with the uh, the first ever custom so-called install i did back in um while I was still going to grad school in 2001 was in a wrx and just for whatever reason i think my friend said he wanted he does he couldn't fit his spare because he got a big break kit so like, why don't you dump everything in there so i dumped like i think it was like acoustic 12 and two acoustic amps and there's no protection just just in a board that's hanging upside down the amps I think, you know, he liked it and uh, he said he can still use it to haul his stuff. So I think that's sort of where it started. And then 
it started going to like the 350Zs when I first moved into California. And like the first 80% of the cars I did were 350Zs and G35s. And those guys all seem to not already, they already modded. They can't get use the spare. So they all wanted a fake floor. They saw one guy's pick and wanted the same thing. And I think that's how it started, to be honest, uh, just to be able to use the rest of the car. So have you prepped Bing on the questions that we talked about? Uh, just on the last pod, just slightly. Um, Has I he gave, had time to prepare or no? No, I didn't give him enough okay. information to like fully prepare because I didn't want him to be prepared. Well, yeah, I mean, if it's related to what we're doing on a daily basis, I shouldn't need preparation, right? Hopefully, yeah, I, mean, I think uh, so. Is it related to false floors? I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it can be. I don't know if a false floor is going to be in the budget. We've had to throw some stuff yeah. under the seats. Yeah, definitely not in the budget. <laughs> so. Uh, Matt and I had did an episode of the podcast where we just kind of got off on a conversation based around system design and, and how we would approach things. And especially on a tight budget, mm-hmm. we, I deal with a lot of customers that have tight budgets. Uh, I know a lot of the, you know, all, the average shop deals with customers on tight budgets. There are others who get uh, huge budgets all the time. And some people get them occasionally, that kind of stuff. But basically what we, what it boiled down to was we didn't really pick a car. I don't think Matt, we, we were kind no of car. Any what car. The car was mm. a non-European um, car <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. for budget reasons. Right. But we basically decided like we got to a point where we, you know, we had our conversation between the two of us and we wanted to get some outside perspective. Mm-hmm. If a customer came to you with, I, I'm just going to give you the, we constantly joke about this, but the average request of a customer, which is, I want it to sound better. I want it to be louder. It, you know, I don't, you know, it doesn't have any bass, like all of the things that you always hear from every customer. And I listen to every type of music, you know, just, just protect, just project your average customer. And yeah, then, all, all the cliches of what everyone says when they come into your shop. <laughs> And then apply a budget of $3,500 installed. Okay. So on that front, um, the lowest budget install we do is $4,500. So now, now, I've had plenty of people come in and say $3,500, you know, as their budget limit, so to speak. Right. And and just to be clear, Mm -hmm. this is a scenario in which the number that we're choosing is really just for the like kind of the fun system design creative standpoint. Got it. Cause obviously you and I both, you know, we kind of do the same thing. We kind of will fully educate the client. And if anyone is going to spend, you know, that 3,500, they're going to spend a little bit more to do everything exactly right. how you at least want to do it at a minimum. Right. right. But this is just more for, let's see what is really important. Right. So if a client is listening to this, Mm -hmm. they're trying to what they're gathering from this is like, what is really important in a basic build? Right. Are you prioritizing sound treatment? Are you prioritizing running the front active? Um, You know, all of these different. Are you doing rear speakers? Are you not like there's so many little wrinkles to this in which to get different people's perspective can get really different answers. And it's just kind of fun to, to, to hear about it. Sure. Yeah, I was gonna say, the other thing too, on top of that was that the, the $3,500 uh, 
as a budget is not necessarily the system is a hundred percent done. It's mm -hmm. we have $3,500. We want an upgrade, but I would prefer that you keep an open mind that whatever you choose leads to a path that's upgradable in the future sure. Okay, right? to get them, get their taste, yeah. taste buds going. Yeah. So, so for, for me, I, uh, priority if it's on a lower budget uh, for me it's going to be signal it's the signal source mm -hmm. that to me is then that's kind of comes down to card dependency right i mean there's some cars where you can still stick an aftermarket head unit in i'll probably say okay do that that's that's you know there's there's cars that's going to be able to um I guess I, I kind of I'm, I'm kind of very partial to uh, signal processors. Um, I very very rarely will do a system without one, uh, unless you know there's been rare occasions where we're able to do a aftermarket head unit, which I can say, hey, you know, we can maybe upgrade and do the DSP later. But most of the cars that we get here, um, you know, they're, they're, there's the stock signal is not very ideal, and for me. The number one thing always is trying to get as good of a signal as I can out of this whole situation. So whether or not it's an aftermarket head unit or a, uh, a signal processor of some kind that can at least allow me to do some tweaking because, you know, I, I've, I've run into a lot of guys around, you know, there's tons of shop around me and um, a lot of them still just, you know, hook up speaker A. Uh, with amp and then just stock signal and i run into people who spend very good money on a, a full system but without dsp and, and off the stock signal and it sounds actually quite bad probably even worse than mm -hmm. you know uh you know a guy with a gti just came by two days ago uh utopias and everything and and he has to turn the volume the 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 mid-range and the highs all the way to the bottom out on his stock head unit and it's still screeching making your ears bleed now so for me it's 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 a signal is probably the most uh the uh, first thing that i definitely try to talk him into uh getting the best signal possible do you have an idea and again i don't want to like lead you too much i literally have a spreadsheet open um that i can help kind of like I, I literally want you to put product to this, right? Like yeah. take, take this concept. And if you're saying signal, let's just assume that if you are trying to squeak a DSP in at this budget, that we can go direct from a high res player or direct from a phone or that we have a clean, we'll, we'll give you the, the factory radio into a DSP is, is a clean source. Um, without, we're not going to budget for an amp pro or a, you know, Zen module or something like that in this scenario. Mm -hmm. We'll, we'll, we'll just assume that we have a, a clean enough signal that a DSP is enough to get us back on track. If you are prioritizing that, which it sounds like you are. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and I mostly, and, yeah. And also keep in mind that the budget of 3,500 is not just product. So it's product installed. So that's the other wrinkle. Okay. So, you know, I mostly use Moscone DSPs. Uh, and that's probably what I, I mean, I would say 95% of our installs is Moscone DSPs. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, whether it be a, you know, the, the new one, the new little one, the uh, Tomo 4 to 6, it's for lower budget and a pretty simple install. I think that usually works out pretty good. I believe that one has 
some input EQ on there, right, Matt? Maybe you you know this. I haven't dealt with really any of the standalone new stuff okay. as far as the DSP amp combo. Yeah. I, no, I mean, just yeah, a little I, Atomo 4 to 6, a tiny little DSP that yeah, replaces I, it. Right. Yeah, I, I, haven't, I haven't used it yet. Okay. I have it in my van, but I'm using it with an aftermarket radio, and yeah. I don't remember if it has uh, input. I've done two of them. Uh, I really need to. I need really need to break the the change because I feel like anytime I don't do the regular Moscone DSP route, mm-hmm. I'll do like the JLVXI, and sure. that's kind of like my go-to amp DSP combo. But I really need to start branching out and trying some of the other options available. I just you know, if we were a JL dealer, I'm sure I'd probably use. Um more of the VXI and tweak and stuff like that. But Moscone, you know, uh, it's mostly what we do, uh, do and we, we do so many of them and they don't ever seem to give us too much yeah. problems and we just keep on using them. Um, yeah. uh, the four to six is the size of, uh, I'm sure you've seen this, it's the size of Matchbox. It's, it pretty much fits anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure it has input EQ. I think it's running on the same software as the other ones, but I can't, I can't be sure. Um, uh, but I believe it does have, or, or at the very least, I can at least use the output side EQ to help with a little bit with the sound if I don't have a full input side of it. But uh, that's probably on a budget like that, the DSP I'll write down, I will go to um, is the Atomo 4 to 6. Okay. Uh, um, I'm showing it uh, at 549. I think 659 is full MSRP. 549 is minimum advertised price. Sure. So I'm going to throw that into the spreadsheet. And again, feel free to make changes if right. for some reason something else pops And does that have a preamp output? Yeah, six channel out. Yeah, six channel out. It also has optical in, which I can use the, uh, you know, something like uh, the, the Moscone Amos 96K and have that as a standalone signal source if I really wanted to. Or if it's one of those, like, you know, classic resto mods where the guy doesn't want to touch his dash at all you know that's always oh wait so so the part that you're talking about isn't an amp dsp no i very rarely do amp dsp combos um okay i find most of them don't have the the amount of power that i want you know back in the day i did a ton of zapco dc reference Mm -hmm. going back 10 years because they're beefy big amplifiers just with dsps in them most of the dsp combos nowadays seem to have like you know 50 80 i think 100 watts or 110 mm-hmm. it's like the mm-hmm. most so, you know right Moscone uh, one series 90.8 bridge channels good power me mm-hmm. like some of the helix stuff is pretty good too like the v12 i don't know yeah. if you looked into that that's I, pretty nasty yeah the um so uh anyway uh what kind of install are we talking about here on this 3500? Again, we're just going to assume it's not flashy. It's it's right. getting it getting it's it just done. functional. Okay. Yeah. Factory okay. locations, even sub boxes, a box that you're throwing in the back. Okay. Yeah we we have uh, we have talked through the idea that you know a prefab is acceptable and that it's something that could always be upgraded down the line and that kind of stuff. We're we're more interested in hearing how we're going to get the best sound presentation mm. we can. Okay. Uh, then the next priority I have is the front speakers, uh, which for any of our builds that's under like 6K, we use the Morel Temple Ultra 602. Well, the two-way, uh, which I think is 459 full retail, unless they change it recently. I, um, 
I just find that speaker for the price they sell it at, and especially when you run an active with the DSP, it just sounds really just pleasant. You know, all kinds of people like it, listen to all sorts of music. It just isn't, you know, for a speaker that cheap, um, it is our go-to speaker set for lower budgeted installs. It's the and Tempo, you said Ultra, Tempo 602, uh, 602 pretty much. Yeah. And, and this is why this whole little exercise is kind of fun because you learn little tidbits like what you just said with that speaker. Yeah. Um, you know, it just kind of opens up your eyes to some new ideas. So that I think is 459. And, um, and then amplifiers. So this is where, you know, this is going to be a tough one. Like um, 3,500, like the usual amp that we use in these systems at 4,500 or above is the uh, Arc Audio X2 1105. But I think with all the price increases lately and everything, I think that's going to budget itself out of the $3,500 uh, price point. Because that amp, I think now is like eight or $900 retail, which is quite a bit. Gotcha. Um, so the amp, the other five channel, you know, ARC is so just so convenient for me. You know, ARC is an hour drive away. <laughs> And, uh, you know, everything just comes the next day. And even if I, in a jam, I can literally drive there. So I kind of give up. I'm, I'm willing to give up almost a little bit of profit than, say, like, for example, I use some of the Morale 5 channels, which I think is cheaper. Uh, but it's also less powerful. But it takes five business days to get to me. You know, I don't keep inventory, you know, the way we are we're being booked mm -hmm. out. So maybe on the 35, that Morale 5 channel, um, I've used it maybe a dozen times. It's like MPS five point something. Nine, five point nine fifty. I'm showing it at ooh, MPS seventy by four at four ohms and yeah. five fifty by one, one at, at two ohms. Two ohms yeah. Six six seventy nine. Yeah, so it's not the most powerful thing, you know, uh from on the front stage, but um, like I said, I usually do 1105, which is four by 150 and one by 500. But and how much is that amp? Is that is that I think you, when we first started, it was 700 something. Now it's become, I want to say like 900 something. So, um, uh, so has gone up a, a bit. Um, but you know, if if um, I mean, there's also the option, of course, of of, of doing the front stage and then doing the sub but I'm not, I will probably say if we're going for a somewhat complete system, because I think the customer, if they get a system back without any kind of subwoofer, I think it doesn't matter how great the front stage sound is not going to be hundred percent satisfied. Yeah. I was going to say, I just, I think I was, I don't know if I told you Matt or not, but I did do a car the other day where we did just front speakers, a DSP amp and tune with no woofer and let the, let a flax six and a half play down to like 40 ish mm -hmm. in the door. And it was pretty darn impressive. Like really? it, it obviously oh. was missing that bottom octave. It was not a competition, mm -hmm. system, but it was, you know, it was cheap. It was cheap. And what it kind of car was it? Really good. Uh, uh, Equinox. Hmm. And the car had factory all pass filters. We did a home audio tweeter, a big, large format tweeter up in the Twiddler location. Flax six and a half in the door and a Museway six channel 
that we bridged. So it was 200 watts by two on the doors mm -hmm. and 70 by two on the tweeters and just EQ'd it, left all pass filters, no delays. And it was really enjoyable to listen to. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Pretty cool, yeah. And and totally budget, you know, just Yeah. Yeah, I wish I mean what what uh I'm actually kind of curious like what would you guys use for uh if you had to use a cheap 5 channel? Uh, uh that's still not a piece of junk, you know, something that's decent. You want to go first Matt, or you want me to? Yeah, I think uh doing the VXI 5 channel would be good because it leaves the ability to add an amp in the future mm -hmm. for something mm -hmm. right so you have you can run like the front active or you can run the front passive and then you can run rear speakers through the five channel and then you can power the sub on the five channel and it has a preamp output so you can add another two channel to take care of like your front mid bass if you were to run the fronts active so you can get more power for the front mid bass and then you can run the tweeters in the rear off the five channel and you have a decent dsp amp combo sure. that's budgetary does that amp do oem inter interface does it do summing and all that stuff yes, yes. okay okay yeah like and, and, it has, and it has an optic input so you could do you could do like oh, a amass right. Uh, you could do a high res player. A lot of times I'll do, you know, and, and the reason I really love that is because you can easily change presets very quickly with their controller, the 205, mm -hmm. you know, it's just yeah, a very, I, I like very that controller easy, a lot. Yeah, it's so dope. And Helix just came out with a controller that's very similar, but it looks way more powerful. Ooh, I saw yeah, it on, I, it. I saw it on their Instagram today. It looks dope as fuck. Yeah, I saw like, it. Was super like, dope. Ooh, I'll go yeah. check it out. You know, Jay, yeah, I, you got, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you got to check that out. Moscone, we were talking on one of our podcasts. They just need to step their fucking game up with their controllers. <laughs> I don't, I don't use that controller. Period. Uh, I don't. I okay. If somebody just needs to do preset changing or something and don't have an Android phone up, I'll do it. But otherwise, even when they're, you know, doing the streaming off the phone, I don't use that controller. I just, I, I, I either mold in or just do a little Bluetooth button to pair with your phone. And that just gives them track changing and volume directly off the phone because that controller, yeah, like it's, like you said, it's, it, it's not the most up to date piece. And, 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 and it's more, you know, the JL is so simple, but it's so easy to use. You know, mm -hmm. it does That's everything I you want. I love, to do. I love how color coordinates easily. Yeah understand Absolutely. what the preset is i love how you can just change the sub so quickly yeah. the volume super quickly and yeah. you know for the sense of just going to like if you're on amas or like a high res player just to switch back to the factory radio when you get a bluetooth phone call when you mm -hmm. need to like that quick right. um you can do that and right. that's the big problem and uh we had nick on on our podcast a little bit ago and he was saying that i guess the new software is going to change the way the controller works um obviously i i i haven't seen that but i'm <laughs> interested to see that work but you know for me i know on the moscone software you could easily use the amas as like a aux input and then have the signal override the yep, factory that's radio. what i do on all of them right yep. so the only problem with that uh and i don't know if there's a good way around it other than just like 
changing the input EQ. But like, what are you doing with that? Because you only have, if you're doing that, you really only have, it's all working off the same preset. Therefore, you only well, have it's not. one. Well, if you have the aerospace, it's not. Because the aerospace gives you the ability to slave different, uh, well, not the full preset, but the EQ, time delay, and mm-hmm. crossover, you can slave yeah. that off of depending uh-huh. on which input you get. Uh-huh. So we do actually tune the car. When we get a car with like a mass and the stock signal source, we tune the car twice. They're mm-hmm. on different presets. So mm-hmm. set it so where you no know, stock source, it draws the EQ and all the tune from preset one. It senses the optical input from the AMAS immediately, automatically. It goes, it's drawn the EQ crossover and delay from preset two. So it's kind of like, you know, and it does the same. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, I see what you're, I, yeah. I see how you're doing it now. Yeah. So, so that's sort of, you know, we have essentially two different tunes. Mm-hmm. And, and by playing with the mix in percentage, because Moscone, for whatever reason, decides you need 200%. Yeah. yeah 200%. Yeah. That does give you a lot of flexibility. So even though you cannot slave output gain to the different presets, you can just vary, you can play with the input mix in a little bit. So that if there's different, you know, if you need to essentially have a little bit louder on the mid range on this preset versus the other one, you can kind of do that with that. And it does it automatically switching back and forth. Mm-hmm. With the new software, you can vary how fast you want to switch from, say, you're streaming, and then it wants to go back right. to stock stores to answer yeah, the call. Yeah, it, it, it has that slider for yeah. the, for the signal. Now but, you know, to, yeah. So I haven't I haven't done that. The, I think the only time I've ever done that was like on a on a Can-Am bike that I did like way back in the day, but I haven't done what you're doing there with like no controller, two different sources yeah. on any of the new We stuff. do that on almost every, probably any car that I do an AMOS in, which seems to be like 40% of our installs, and we do that automatically. Uh, it just, yeah, sometimes not an AMAS. Sometimes it's a, uh, some guy wants a hardwired direct uh, digital coax cable into the DSP off their high-res player. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter. As long as we have two separate, separate signal sources on the Moscone, we always just do it, let it do it automatically. And we did one car where it was kind of crazy. It was like, I think we had four different signal sources going into it with four different tunes slaving all across of the preset because you can slave you have i think four triggers you have the primary and three aux triggers that you can pick from and each Mm -hmm. one of those can point to a different preset so Mm -hmm. so it it, uh i think it was it was kind of confusing to to tune because you got to remember all this stuff uh but you know that's one thing i do kind of like about the uh the the moscone is that ability to automatically switch between essentially two tunes without you having to touch it because it just depends on which input it goes to whichever preset. That's definitely good to know. I definitely did not know that on the newer stuff. I've never tried to use it like that. Yeah. Um, It's, it's, it's it's relatively easy to set up. I have been a little confused a couple of times when you go in to copy presets, big and it it asks you like, which of the stuff do you want? And I've done it wrong a couple of times. I've been like, Oh man. And it like, yeah, it's it's uh, telling you to grab the input from over here. And then it copies the, and you're like, I'm making changes, but it's not happening because you're tuning a preset and it's referencing another. Yeah, exactly. It's, 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 uh, it's, uh, and the first one, the first software came out, I was in German. It was like the one part of the software GUI that was in German. It was like something, something Vaughn 
preset and people had no idea what the heck that was. But yeah, the whole idea of like, it takes a while to get used to. I think after now I've been doing it that way for like four or five years. But the first few times I, I keep on realizing, wait a minute, I'm tuning on this preset, but I should be tuning on the other preset because right. that's where the signal is going to go eventually. But yeah, it's, but yeah, uh, that is something. But yeah, if I were back to what Matt was saying, if I were a JL dealer, uh, I think I think the VXI would be a very very good option to do an all-in-one system. You know, uh, that's for sure. Uh, I feel and- like Matt. Now we've led him a little bit. You accuse you accuse me of leading people sometimes. Actually, yeah, that's yeah. on, on a later episode. But, um, yeah, I don't want to lead Bing towards a a solution, but yeah, I mean. Uh, if I like I said, uh, I, I like all in one amps when I did so many Zapco DC reference, you know, that's all do you I do, do audio control. I don't, uh, okay. I don't do audio. I'm kind of, I'm kind of driven by loyalty in a sense where, you know, um, my sales rep, my one sales rep, who's my arc and Orca rep and a few others, uh, he's like one of my really good friends, you know, and for me, it's like none of these brands have treated me badly or wrong and their product isn't bad i'm sure there are comparable ones out there but i feel like you know uh for me if they haven't done anything again that, that i'll feel like is on towards you know why I, i'm not going to go chase another uh account just because maybe it has one or two pieces that that may work better so uh, and again we're i'm talking we're talking about shop where we do 40 cars a year you know, so it isn't as big of a deal, but I would definitely not mind having JL, but the situation around here is such that, you know, it's not really possible, but I've installed plenty of JL, uh, uh, customers bring it in quite a bit sometimes, uh, you know, but yeah, it, it's, I have, I would love to have an all-in-one solution at the right price point. And, uh, what is the retail on the VXI five channel? Twelve ninety nine or eleven ninety nine? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you you could do PS eight fifty. It's not not a lot of power on the on the forum channels. But right. If you, uh, right. If you bridge the back. It's enough to push a little over. Just, yeah. Just throwing out there. You said Arc, not me. Yeah, Arc. Uh, Arc. All I seem to do is the X two. Uh, I probably do that, and and there's subs. You know, going back to the thirty five hundred dollar. I'll probably use this very simple ARC 10 because they're cheap and they're not yeah, a like bad X, X, X210. No, like just not, even an ARC 10, I don't think is that much money, right? It's like a hundred. ARC 10 is more than an X10. No, I've never used an X2, but I think ARC 10 really? is. Not, yeah. Hey, shh. <laughs> try an X210. All right. Well, just saying. <laughs> Maybe I'll try it. Yeah. Love them. Okay. And that's like. For the money. Hundreds of dollars. Yeah, yeah, it's like a. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want him to speak, so I'm going to look real quick. Gary gets so sized for value. I do. I do. Are like you, you just get so turned on it, by that. You know the reason why? Because I I see a lot of people spend a lot of money on systems that sound like garbage, yeah, like hot garbage, yeah. and it's upsetting. So like in in I would rather yeah I'd rather see the money spent in places where it, it matters a whole bunch. One hundred sixty nine dollars retail is, for X two ten. Versus an Arc Series 10, which the performance is pretty similar. Yeah, <laughs> it's $279. It's $100 yeah. more. There it's not a, big, awesome. not a big upgrade. You get a little bit more power handling. Right. Um, it's about the same. Right. Yeah. 
but you know, I guess X2, perfect. Uh, you know, so obviously not prioritizing the, the subwoofer. That's usually kind of being, being my case. Uh, I mean, until the Focal Sub 10 WF came out, uh, I always sort of unprioritized the subwoofer in my system design. If there's a budget, I'm trying to spend as much on the front stage mm-hmm. and the labor, even amps maybe, but then, you know, with that Focal Sub came out, kind of find myself selling it more and more even though it's the most expensive stuff that i sell so but yeah you know uh x2 something like that uh so where are we at for uh so right now we have the uh moscone atomo is my saying that right atomo four to six 549 mm-hmm. morel tempo 602s at 459 a morel mps 5950 at 679 an X2 10 inch at 169 is $1,856. Uh, we'd obviously need to kind of probably start thinking about what the labor costs are going to be, uh, right. what you're going to use for a subwoofer enclosure, how much money we need for wire, if we're going to try to sneak any sound treatment in there. Yeah. Uh, one thing I don't do, I know most shops do this, is I do not break down all the individual things that's not equipment. I quote one thing that's, well, I quote equipment, then I quote labor, wiring, soundproofing, basically everything that's not, uh, that is not uh, equipment, so to speak. So I, I actually don't know <laughs> how to break that down because I haven't done that for like 15 years. Yeah, you're thinking of it as a total package. Like exactly. It's, it's I actually not... saw the whole thing as a package because around here, everybody being online, the more you itemize, the more chances you get somebody who will sit there and compare the item you, line by line what you are charging them. You know, uh, And I can't really fault people for that because you know uh, when I go buy random other stuff, I'm going on Amazon looking through all the listings and see like which little – thingamajig is the cheapest or the best reviews you know so Mm -hmm. uh so i don't generally break everything down so it's like for me i quote one equipment and then boom everything else um i don't do installs on doors that doesn't have soundproofing i just i don't do it if someone says i don't want soundproofing i'd rather just turn away the job i'm I'm pretty I, i know that sounds kind of but for me i have the luxury to do it i'm like what's the point of doing all these stuff and not put any soundproofing on it. Right. Um, you know, um, you're not going to get any objection to that from matter. That's right, for sure. Right. But you know, but you see it though, right? You see it really expensive speakers installed in uh, cars and they're just nothing. It's just, I think that's one of the things we, we talk about here a decent amount is yeah, that we've talked about a lot. Yeah. Is that if you're, you have to gauge how much, performance you're getting out of a product that you put in. And if you're going to put in a, a speaker that's $100 or $500 or $1,000 and you're only going to get 50% of the potential or sometimes mm-hmm. as little like with some of the door adapters I see it come in that are, you know, leaking and not sealed up and not solid against the door, you're getting 20% of the potential of the speaker out of it. And at some point that's part of what this exercise is is that you have to you have to look at that speaker that's going into a 
door or a dash location or whatever it is and and see it as a system and that system is the enclosure and the efficiency of getting the sound from that speaker into the car and not creating added vibrations and things that are going to kill right you know if, if you have a speaker that has a ton of output but it's also creating a ton of vibrations in the door right. it's not you could have put less power and less speaker in and gotten the same result. So, oh, absolutely. Right? You know, or cars, the doors that I've seen people do where for whatever reason they ripped off the weatherproofing, the, the sheet, and then, and then they just put the speaker in. And so you basically have this door that's, that's got giant holes everywhere, right? <laughs> there's no separation of the, <laughs> the front and the back of the speaker. Yeah, there's there's no one cap, and you go, wait, where, where's the mid base? Where's anything above like 200 Hertz is not even there, you know? And, uh, but that's, you know, but that's, that's a problem that's been around forever. I think, you know, I don't think, I don't, I don't know how much the average consumer is aware of that and how much of a difference we can make in a door, but we, we machine every speaker adapter. We don't use any off the shelf stuff. We don't use any injection molded plastic rattle boxes or anything like that. And we're generally putting over a hundred Watts on a door speaker, a lot of times two, sometimes three, 400 Watts onto a door driver. And we we move a lot of air up front. We like to, I know. Yeah. And I think we've talked about it a lot. Just even when you're fully addressing a door with a shit ton of sound treatment, in a lot of cases, if you're at, like if it's a good speaker and you're adding a lot of power to it, you're still in most cases, not fully maximizing the speaker because you're always going to find some sort of a resonance at some point, right. you know, it could be on the super high end to which you're, you're, you're starting to cap where that's going. Right. And, you know, you can do your best and you can use a notch filter for certain frequencies that, you know, is just really hitting a certain door or a certain spot. But at the end of the day, there's very few cars in which you can just fully oh, get right. all, all of the speaker and you know you're getting all of it and there's nothing resonating. <laughs> no, the, the one I, I was telling you about the the truck that we just did where I did the quarter inch plate steel baffles for the Utopia mm-hmm. eights and they had that AS one hundred point four bridged onto them, you know, and that's a three mm-hmm. ohm driver. That's a that's yeah. a lot of right, power on your car. And we got to the point where like obviously the eight will do way more than the three can keep up with in the dash, right? And I was just seeing like, I'm like, let me just keep pushing and keep pushing. Let me, let me hear these things. I I could never get them to bark, but the one thing that I was never going to overcome is it got to a point and it was blowing the seal up against the window. (laughs) It was like, like it was a a vario vent, like opening and closing almost like the, uh, the door closure vents in the back wall Mm -hmm. of a truck cab. Like I was like, yeah, that's moving some air. That's how sealed up the rest of the door was too. Yeah. I mean, that's what you know you got it. I mean, for me, it's like my whole intro into car audio that is uh, wasn't you know the boom box or whatever it was a meta guy back in the elite car audio days at mess up college and my whole intro into car audio was sound quality competition while i was in college so i see some of these crazy stuff people do you know even back in the day you know when uh, uh while the uh, expert class world champions lived, uh, had a shop about uh, an hour away from me mark lickett he had a Nissan truck, everything motorized, and even the speaker grills motorized. I wanted to check it out and see what he was doing. So I got a taste of all this, you know, going crazy on things, just making it, just ma- trying to maximize everything, you know, almost rebuilding the car and everything. 
but then I know a lot of these guys I know back east uh, started shops and they try when they try to apply that kind of mentality to a daily run shop. Now there are guys that do crazy stuff all the time, like Matt. You know, they have the clientele, but a lot of them do not survive because you can't spend that much effort on a daily basis. I feel uh, unless you're just you know one of the very few people around the, around the world. Rather, a lot of them just started doing that, and they're spending so much time on the cars and everything. They end up going under. They go out of business because they cannot make a profit because they're spending so much time. So I, I kind of try to be you know try to find that compromise mm-hmm. of, of still be profitable, still stay in business and doing what I can to maximize, quote unquote, the potential of the equipment. You know, I'm sure mm-hmm. there's always guys sure. that, that I mean, you see, see them on the, the sound quality forums and, and, you know, they go crazy all out on doors. I'm sure that, you know, given the same exact system as I'm building here, uh, I'm sure his has better performance from the same exact equipment if he was using it. But at the same time, you know. Yeah, you're never going to, you can't compare the people that have to do it as a business and have overhead with the guy that's doing it as a passion project in his garage with no overhead and and willing to put in all the hours. You know, that's anybody who does DIY home repairs. Some of those builds that you've seen where guys are like engineers on the side, mm-hmm. you know, they're spending like a year. Oh yeah. I mean, I try and they're just like burning eight hours at a time on their car or oh, yeah. whatever it is. And there's like thousands of hours. Oh yeah. Some I, of I, those I tried cars. that with my first vehicle. I, I watched, I read enough of like, I think Steve Brown's the tutorials back in the day and decided I'm going to build myself. And uh, I ask an expert, expert class vehicle. This is like a year after I even learned how to use bonding. <laughs> and I sat there in my truck, gutted the whole interior, started molding the interior. And after about uh, eight months of working like in, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, this is, you know, cold with a space heater, locked myself in the regular cap Toyota trying to do sanding and everything. After about six months, I ran out. Of, I tell people I ran out of talent and I ran out of money. <laughs> <laughs> I literally had no money left for even like ramen noodles. I just oh, gave up. Man. But that's, you know, uh, while I'm building it, I'm taking pictures and posting them up on the forums and people go, oh my God, that's that's great. That's awesome. You know, meanwhile, I'm going, I'm never going to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, uh, but you know, what I say is people, but people still do end up comparing those two. You know, people see something people do online. They're not necessarily going, Oh yeah, that's a retail shop, and this other guy's doing on the side. They'll still be like, "Well, hey, you know, there's this better way to do things." You know, even though if it takes ten times the time, uh, t- uh, you know, but it people still kind of make that comparison back and forth, at least online. You know, that I've seen. Yeah, the only way that you can do that is to educate the client and charge for the time. You know, if they want that, they need to charge for the time, and that just kind of like immediately makes me go back to a question that I had on a previous pod, but like, I think when, whenever we end up getting Dean on from five star, I'd love to ask him what he's charging for an amp install in which, you know, he's meticulously just making everything look beautiful and pretty on an amp job. You know what I mean? Like, are you charging for that? Hmm. Or, you know, like what's the time quoted on that exact job? Because there's so many times and I'm not, alluding at all saying that this is what he's doing. I'm just saying that our industry in general 
a lot of people will build stuff, you know, fabricate mm-hmm. elaborate things and charge like nothing for it. Sure. Because they don't oh, yeah. think that they can get the money for it or they just want to have the jobs to show other clients because they think they're building a portfolio. But there's a lot of things that happen that really degrade or change expectations for other people, you know, because I know that there's been installers in the past that have done a really elaborate builds for like no money at all. Yeah. There was somebody here that built some crazy shit like, uh, you know, kind of fishman kind of shit. Uh, Fishman actually was in my area for a while, but that kind of just out of this world, out of the box thinking. And I I, want my friend in in the car show side got uh, this installed. I'm like, this has got to be at least 15, 20 grand labor. And the guy paid $3,500. Right. You know? And uh, he eventually, the guy, I think, well, I was told he burned out and just, just left the scene. Well, I, I can see why. The, the sheer right. amount of work that this guy's doing. And looks good. And from a fabrication standpoint, it looks brilliant. Um, you know, uh, but I just could never get over how little. I mean, I don't think I charge that much compared to some people I've talked to. But... I was looking at that going, that's, that's insane. And I don't, I don't care who you are, unless you're a robot doing all that stuff. It's going to take a crap load of time, you know? Yeah. And, and the funny thing is, is like, just when you talk to clients, cause you know, I've said in the past that I have a certain, like a YouTube video on like an excursion console in which it looks, you know, like a really intricate modern day console. And I get so many calls on that every week where people just think that, one, it's like a prefab console that I built, and two, that it's like a thousand bucks. Right. And you know what I mean? Like if 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 that manufacturer were to have to make a console from scratch, think about how much time, tooling, all of that stuff would be in that console. And here you're having a person hand build you one to fit all the stuff that you want and your expectations are a thousand bucks. Like, come on, dude. That means that that I would have to from from scratch, finish that console and give it back to you in a day for it to be profitable. Yeah, I I have a friend who works for a car manufacturer that does, uh, and they sublet a pair of seats for a concept car, and the bill was a hundred and forty thousand dollars <laughs> wow. for a pair of seats. Right, like right. it's like you don't you don't think about what you know, that time, the design, the engineering, the fabrication, all of that tied up, like, yeah, sure. They don't pay that for a set of seats in a production car. They have right. it down and, and, to produce and Gary, that's like, the, that's like the stressful part of like taking on a job like that, right? So, you know, you have a client bringing an excursion to you and you're quoting them, say, six labor days to build the console, right? And you don't have a plan really going into it day one you're looking at it and you're just kind of engineering everything in your head coming up with a vision and then the rest of the time you're implementing it and then trying to stay completely on task and give them that car back in on that sixth day right you know what i mean it's a obscene amount of pressure but like most clients just don't think about the stuff that is planned and designed on the spot Oh, yeah. Okay, you want a CB radio, you want HDMI inputs, you want a inverter, you want a hidden gun compartment, you know, whatever it is. Okay, like all this stuff has to just be designed. And at the end of this, it has to look like a console. Correct. And be functional. Yeah. And serviceable. You know what I'm saying? You'll like, get like 13 different revisions like a right. car manufacturer would. So if that's a seven, 
$8,000 console, right. it seems expensive if I just say that number. But when you break it down, that shit's a fucking bargain. <laughs> Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. That's not the, you're not you're not going home at the end of the day going, wow, I'm getting rich. You're like, right. wow, I got another week and a half to finish this thing. Right. Yeah. right. Like, you know, we don't now for me, it's like I uh I, I say this to a lot of people. I, actually a lot of people have brought linked in the emails when they initially contacted me, have brought in uh linked me Matt's work. You know, uh, and then they they asked me, Oh, how much is it to do something like that? And I don't know. I, I just throw a number like, Oh, I think that's like thirty, forty grand. They're like, what? what? What do you mean? The car? I don't mean the car. I mean, <laughs> and I tell them the thing. I said, you know, guys like Matt, they're like the, uh, I said, usually these guys know, these guys know cars, right? I say, they're the Koenigseggs. They're the Paganis of our world, okay? Think about how much one of those cars cost. Two, three million dollars, right? You can buy a car, a GTR that performs very similarly for what? $100,000, even cheaper. And I said, you know, if you want to pay for that kind of design work, that just just imagine, you know, the price differential between, you know, something, everything's custom built and just looks like, you know, the craziest thing in the world. Like, that's going to cost money. And usually they get that. Once they realize, you know, if they just apply to something else they do know about, where they know, hey, a Pagani, everything is bespoke and built and just, just looks awesome you know that's going to end up costing a hell of a lot exponentially more than something you know I, I keep on telling you know the way i design stuff is like you know porsche maybe lexus <laughs> i don't know you know where everything is relatively simple it works you know it's i try to keep things as usable as possible simple you know plain but for me you know i take pleasure in more of the little things you know like for example, I love wiring. So for when I do stuff, like when I try to wire stuff, I actually enjoy. It. I usually go in on like Saturday or Sunday at five at five o'clock in the morning, just and just do it, and enjoy it. But I think you know, once those guys realize, the customers have realized, you know, just how much work. And when I put in perspective of cars, they tend to understand, like you know, uh, why certain kind of fabrication, how everything looks, just can cost them like a crap ton of money to in their perspective. But like Matt said, you know, when you consider just how much pressure you're under, how much you have to do right on the spot with no second chances, it's it's actually quite a bargain. Yeah. And, and again, sometimes that's that's weeks of labor. You yeah. know, those those jobs are are I mean, what what did you say the Escalade was, Matt? Thirty seven days, thirty seven build days. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that's yeah. So Matt, and I- it took. And it took 37 build days. And I I'm think still impressed uh, you nailed that, by the way. Like, well, I, I'm in and, awe. And kind of like I alluded to on that is, you know, when I think when you're quoting a job like that, if you can break down each spectrum of the job, like the door panels, the A pillars, the sub box, the amp rack, why, like, if you can kind of break down each thing and give yourself on certain parts of the job a little bit of extra time and that extra time is generally like when you fall into a problem or have to overcome something you have the time there to still keep it on track and if everything goes perfect now you can use that time in order to really hit final details you know what i mean so the time's still used but it's either going to keep you on track and not make the it go into the next car and then create a domino effect or 
it's going to give you the ability to say, Hey, I've, I'm, I'm finished three days early. And as you're getting to that three day early mark and you know, okay, like really I could be done tomorrow. You could then now do something in some of the last area of the build to really add a lot of detail. You know, that's the way that I've always looked at it, and that's the way that I've always kind of stayed on track. Right. Yep. Hey, speaking of keeping on track, our 30-minute yeah. podcast <laughs> is at 52 minutes or 50-something So, Bing, you'll have your own episode. <laughs> yeah, I guess, <laughs> I guess we're stretching this out. Um, to recap, <laughs> at this moment, we have an Atomo. I just can't say the word. Atomo. Atomo? Atomo? Atomo. Atomo. Whatever sounds Italian. <laughs> Atomo. Is that, that, That's probably uh, correct. Okay. Uh four to six, five forty-nine, Morel Tempo six oh two component set at four fifty-nine, Morel MPS five point nine five zero, six hundred and seventy-nine dollars, and Arc Audio X two ten for one hundred and sixty-nine dollars. We're at eighteen hundred and fifty-six dollars. Do we have enough money left over to install, build some speaker adapters, tune? It'd be pretty close. I mean, uh, uh, it'll be a pretty simple box. I mean, it's kind of weird because we don't do that kind of this kind of job. But if it were, I think it'd be a pretty simple box with the amp on the back with a grill on the front. Just a just a. Yeah. Uh, that's cutting a little close. I mean, it depends on the car, right? You know, some cars it's a breeze to work in. If it's an easy car to work on. Uh, Something I've we've done a ton of time times some kind of scion, <laughs> some kind of you know everything just comes apart. Maybe yeah. you know, uh, ideally I'd probably say looking at this would be closer to maybe four, but it's 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 conceivable. I'll say that. Uh, yeah, on the on the right car, where we can literally knock it out in a couple of days. That's maybe you know that's conceivable. Yeah, uh, it's hard for me to say because we don't do that. Yeah, you know, yeah, but, it's a, but I think it's, it's, you know, get it. but, uh, it's, it's yeah, it's funny talk, talking to Gary when all this started and we came up with the budget of thirty five hundred dollars. I said I kind of always use the thirty five hundred dollar mark as saying you can't really address the car fully properly for the thirty five hundred dollar mark. Mm-hmm. You know, to do like the full solution done right in most modern cars, and I've always used that as like a sales tool to say like, and I can tell you that up front, whereas the shop down the street could, you know, if you ask them for a $3,500 solution, guess what? They're going to have a $3,500 solution Mm -hmm. and you're going to spend $3,500 out the door. They'd have a magic solution for that. Right. And I've always said that like, not to kind of take this off track, but the complete entry level system, you get the least return on your investment. Right. I right. Agree. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Because you're spending the same amount of money to install speaker A versus B. Correct. That you know, all of the same stuff. You're paying the full freight labor install to do all this stuff, but you're compromising on the equipment to keep it down. Yeah. So if you were to spend an extra two grand, you're going to get a fucking dramatically different system. Oh yeah, absolutely. It just I think a lot of people have never heard a proper you know, we do sound quality, you know, so proper sound quality car. That's all that matters. That's all I don't do. I don't have a demo room. I've never wanted a demo room. I sit them in my car and let them do the standardized kind of 
10 minute listing session. And I would say my sale rate, sales rate, you know, success rate on that is probably about 85 to 90%. Mm-hmm. Of course. Because uh, that's all you, all you have to you know, do is people number one comment is, oh, I didn't realize you can get a car to sound like this. I know my car isn't that special or great. It's a decent sounding car, but it's just the whole idea of being able to, to have that sound, a three dimensional feel, you know. Uh, what is in your car? What is your car and what is in it? Uh, it's a, uh, E63 AMG wagon. Uh, it's got all, it's got like different brands all over the place. It's got a Royal MT350 tweeters. I got audio frog GB225 mid ranges. Eric Gladen aerospace six and a half inch mid base. Morel, uh, hybrid. Man, you're not kidding. No, hybrid integra for rear. <laughs> I got a His C- car is a mutt. Yeah, Illusion C3 CX is the center. Uh, three of those big. Hold on, hold on. Just stop for a second. Yeah. <laughs> was this strategic or was this just random shit that you couldn't, like, that you just had left over at your No, it's, oh. uh, it's uh, when I built my car, you know, the manufacturers do want to offer, you know, I get the employee discount and everything. Mm-hmm. And I try to support as many of the my main vendors I use a lot. Being okay. well, Orca. It all makes sense Orca. now because you've already so, listed. You know, now you try really hard to say, "Come on, let's just do all this with Orca stuff." But you know, and you know, I have to get some some uh, morale in there because Casey and I we've been friends for so long and such a great guy. You know, the only thing I don't have in my car is Arc uh, on this particular go around. Being out the Moscone amps, you know, but it's mostly Orca with with a couple of pieces of morale and. Somebody which, from Ark is which, listening. Send Bing a decal. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, which, uh, which Moscone amps? Do you have? I have I have a uh, four AS amps. Uh, two hundred point two. No, sorry, two hundred point four, three hundred point two, one hundred point four, and a one hundred point two. And I have a Pico too, a tiny little thing to power the center channel. Mm. On. I just gonna say, powering the C three CX, right? Yeah, it's uh, yep, it's in a false floor, if you must know. Is it? No, vertical or horizontal? <laughs> it's got the giant biggest, all the stuff I just listed, plus the distribution, plus everything. It's all fits under in the spare tire well. That's how big. You love those amps, and they are huge. Like, how I, do you deal? With I that? I don't. You know, if I have to do my car today, it would be the uh, pro amps. Yeah, I'm get, so happy that the pros yeah, came out. It's the same amount. I can get get away with just two amps. I can literally do a uh, 530 and a 410 and I have literally the same channels. So maybe add a Pico for the center, but I, I I would have all that power. You know, I mean, I'd be down on sub power a little bit, but, you know, but I'll probably just, yeah, you, know, five channels, you know, it's just at the time that was what I, uh, what I could fit after I designed how much stuff I wanted to cram in there <laughs> is uh, the zeros would not fit. They're too wide or top mm-hmm. to bottom. So it's a yes. But yeah, if I had to do my car over again, it would be, if I get my next car, which I may get next year, uh, it, it'll probably just be like two pro five thirties. And that's yeah. all I would need. Um, a lot less weight. Uh, time. So. Yeah. I like those amps. Yeah. It's a, uh, so, so, let me let me ask a follow up question. If you said that your kind of entry level system is forty five hundred dollars, if I was coming to you and I said I have this generic car and this I want this generic system, what's your kind of go to? What what do you see value in? What's the price point? 
that somebody has to spend to kind of get that value. Since we we've obviously all agree that you know the labor dollars are there, takes the same time, same amount of time to correctly build a mount for and and run mm-hmm. power wire, do all your work at the battery and that kind of stuff. Whether the amp is a hundred dollars or you know ten thousand dollars or what, uh, what's a Tony D four amp go for these days? Like eight grand. Eight grand. Whether it's I, I whether, still want to try one. Yeah, I've, I got to find the right job to to yeah. get a bunch of those in there. Yeah, a bunch, a stack of them, a yeah. rack. Yeah, it would have to be a bunch because yeah. no it point would be that type of budget job. Yeah. 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 So uh, yeah, what is what does somebody what does somebody have to spend to get a, a signature Bing sound? Oh, like, I don't what know. Would your, what would be your suggestion to get Ooh, that? Things are getting awkward. That's grand. really kind of hard because. I would say there's two tiers, okay? Because I'm, if you watch, if you look at any of that builds, I'm kind of, um, I skip a lot of tiers of equipment. I pretty much do like Arc X2 amps, okay, for example. And then I don't do anything in between. I go right to the pro. That's almost like those two lines of amps are like 80, 90% of the builds I do. Uh, I kind of feel like there's some amps in the middle where I go, well, you know, they cost a lot more than the X2, but I don't really necessarily say they, they sound a whole lot better or they're, they're, they, they're pretty close to pro, but I can usually just upsell to the pro. So for me, it's like, I have, I have maybe two tiers of sweet spots, mostly focusing on the amps and speakers, you know? I have yeah. a level where I would say it goes from six to ten, where it generally still uses Arc X2 amps, and the top range speaker for that set, uh, for that budget is the Morel Titanium Elite 603 uh, or 602, depending on the car. Uh, you know, and that generally tops out around 10k. We're we're not talking about any kind of special fabric, crazy showy or anything, just my usual. And then immediately above uh, the next tier, which I feel is the sweet spot, is probably in the uh, t- 13 to 16, which is yeah. involves I can do the Moscone Pro amps. And I usually like, I still do some of that Burrell Titanium Elite because I really truly love that speaker. I think it just, it, to me, it just sounds good with all sorts of music, which which is one of the reasons I like Morel so much. And they're reliable. They, they don't break. Um, uh, or I, the speaker, my favorite speaker is actually the Gladen Aerospace three-way, full three-way. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, I love the mid-bass on that thing. Um, that paired with the uh, Pro Amps, uh, probably, you know, depending on the car. Um, now that the there's this Utopia Sub-10, which I absolutely love, but it's a chunk of money, uh, that kind of throws the budget a little higher, but, you know, the combo I did a bunch this past year is that it's the pro, the Glade Aerospace and one, one of the, uh, what do you call it? The sub 10 WM. Uh, mm-hmm. I probably did like five or six cars with that combo, eight to 12 aerospace. Uh, and it's in that somewhere around 15 K range. Um, it's great. You know, I wouldn't say it's twice as good but that's a that's something that's 8k but that's so subjective you know you're you're um, saying that three-way three-way aerospace is yeah. your go-to or two-way three-way uh, i use both uh okay. i use both i was just gonna say 
when you say uh, Pro 530 running the whole thing. No, it's Pro 530 you... and Pro 410 if it's a three-way. Gotcha, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's a two-way, it's a single Pro 530. I don't do that a lot because I've been doing a little bit more rear fill lately. Just doing the differential left and right, just give it a little bit more. Uh, because when you do the – nobody makes a two-channel amp anymore, you know, kind of like a small one. Or then you get a really small one. So it's like you get a five and a four, you have two channels left over for something. So we end up running some kind of rear, but, uh, uh, I tend to use a five ten a lot, which I power like the front tweeter mid range. And then I'll do, wait, wait what? what's a five ten? Uh, I'm sorry. A five thirty. All right. 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 Yeah. Sorry. Five thirty, uh, five thirty where I power the front mid range and tweeter mm-hmm. and then the sub. Right. And then I'll do a four ten right. where I'll bridge the front mid base mm. And then I'll use the Pico 2 to power the rear. Interesting. Okay. That's what I just did in that uh, Super Duty. We did the Gladen Aerospace 3-Way 530 running mid-tweeter and the sub box, which was was a little little bass heavy compared to what you guys do. Uh, Three three TW3 sported i always love adding a lot of power to the front yeah yeah and then we did a, we did a 410 bridge on the aerospace sixes in the doors with a decent amount of decent amount especially of- when i'm using the uh really i mean the the utopia eight or the carbon eight yeah see that's the difference to me i don't use a lot of eight inch mid bases even the cars that fit eight inch mm. mid bases i do six and a half i had this talk one like a long time ago with the emma guys from from sweden and they all use, for the most part, small mid bases, like six and a half, even five and a quarter, when they're competing in, in uh, Emma. And uh, we had this discussion. I feel like there's a lot of cars to me when I stick an eight or nine, like a Morel nine in. I feel like there's. I always have to turn down, even with all the soundproofing. There just seems to be not adequate airspace in the door cavity. Almost, it's like I get this build up from 125 to like 300 hertz, where I have to always turn down on the eq that's just what i noticed where also sounds a little tubby and also i guess that so and also with my car you know with the gladen six and a half i just i feel like it gives me more than enough mid base that than, that I, I need maybe not the extension of a bigger driver but i typically do not run the mid mid base is lower than 60 hertz um so i very rarely uses uh anything more than a six and a half but that's just my personal preference when you run the eights, Matt, do you cross them up higher, 80, 90, or are you running them down low like that? Oh, so a lot of times the crossover point for my front mid base is if possible. And if it works out within the car, I think we talked about this on one of the last podcast, but you know, we try and find the standing wave of the vehicle hmm. and try and find where that can fall within a half wave of the front low pass frequency. So kind of when we're talking about those, the wavelengths of like 80 Hertz and you do the math and then you divide it in by, by two and you try and find that number in inches, that half wave of 80 Hertz might fall within the standing wave of the vehicle. So maybe that's why we'll choose to cross over the front mid base at with, with the sub base at like 80 Hertz or 60 Hertz or 70 Hertz Oh, interesting. based on the standing wave of the vehicle. That way that frequency as it's playing, you're not getting cancellation Hmm. and you're getting the, 
I guess the best output for the sub. And that's really the convenience of having the ability to go to say an eight or something along those lines where you can drop that frequency down a little bit lower mm -hmm. so that crossover point can work with the standing wave of the vehicle. Hmm. That's interesting. I'll, I'll think about that. That's something. Yeah. We also, we also had Nick on a, a couple episodes ago and he was talking about crossing some stuff over way higher in the door and relying on that sub to fill in for that. Mm -hmm. mid -base. I think part of that was trying to probably trying to fill in some of that driver's seat null. And have it so on that on that Jeep Wrangler that we did, where we didn't use a sub, we did the Jeep, the the one from Russia, where he didn't end up wanting to use a subwoofer because we did all that stuff in the back. That was the plan, and then we had like the steel reinforcement security cage back there. And I'm like, I said, I'm not putting a sub back here. So the next option was going to be to do the sub 10 WM in the passenger footwell, which would have fucking kicked ass. Oh, yeah. uh, and that really would have been the icing on the cake of that job. But he said, I don't really want to give up the full footwell, even though the, the passenger still would have had plenty of room to put their feet straight down. Mm -hmm. At that point, we had the sixes in the in the dash. We had the mid and tweeter up top. And I didn't want to leave it at the sixes because the sixes were in the dash. And you get a lot of resonance and lower frequencies in that Jeep because you have that metal and the crossbars and stuff like that that you just really can't control. So I'm like, let's just try and use eights and kick panels. And obviously the eights aren't meant for smaller enclosure volume because they're meant for like a door cavity with one cubic foot. Uh, so we ended up making just kind of like trying this out. And it actually worked out pretty fucking good is we did them in, in the kicks, two eights in the kick. Basically by doing that, we, we had them high passed at about 28 hertz hmm. wow. at about 48 db so i mean they got down pretty low they fucking rocked it sounded really good it's it sounded like there was a legit sub in the car wow i love and it, it worked out well we had them play all the way up to about 130 hertz because at about 130 hertz the uh the fucking dash started resonating and all that kind of stuff so really the, those sixes really couldn't have played below you know, 130 Hertz without that car sounding like shit, but you can, you can be pretty creative with, with some eights for sure. I think I got to give the kids bath. <laughs> I think they're about <laughs> time to, to do that. Okay. You want to, you want to bring us home, Matt? You want to wrap, you want to come up with a wrap up? So do we come up with a full solution or do we have to have him back? Yeah. On so page? I think, I think the solution is that, you know, he's, uh, it's going to be tight. It's going to be a basic install. It's uh, it's the Moscone Atomo four to six, Morel Tempo six oh two speakers, Morel MPS five point nine fifty five channel amplifier, Arc Audio X ten X two ten inch subwoofer, hmm. uh, and a and a basic install, you know. Yeah. And, and we're where are we at labor? Where are we at material? Uh, eight. About eighteen fifty and sixteen fifty. Eighteen fifty in materials, sixteen fifty in labor and wire. Mm. Because because right. as we learned, it's a package. It's a motherfucking it's a package. package. <laughs> it's the whole package. Yeah. It'll have to do, I think. Yeah, no. Awesome. I mean, that's exactly what we want to hear. We want to hear different people's approaches and uh yeah, some good equipment. I I do some morel 
and I have been happy with everything I've ever done. I don't do a ton of it, but I like it, and I like Casey a lot, and it's uh, yeah. it does it does good. He's good people, so you know, yeah. always, always, you know, for as long as I've known him, always a good guy, and not always the case with you know manufacturers and stuff, but he's just always, always treated me really well. So. Yeah, I feel like we uh, we do a lot of the same brands and for a lot of the same reasons. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, it was good hanging out with you. It's been yeah. a while. It's been a hot minute since I had some bing time. <laughs> I know. Uh, hopefully, uh, everything will be back to normal sometime uh, this year. Hopefully. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, and that way everyone in the industry will still not see you and still think that you're <laughs> just some uh, made-up person. <laughs> some, some burner account. Well, the person... <laughs> The person who would, knows who would the burner be? Who would be the person controlling Bing's account actually be if we Joey, found out Joey, and Bing wasn't real? It's Joey. Yeah, just Joey. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, All righty, well, guys. Thanks for coming right. on. Thank I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was a pleasure to be here. So, thank you, thank you. We'll uh, thank you. at some point in the future, I'm sure we'll have you back on again. So cool. We can do yeah. it all over again. Cool. All righty. Have a good weekend, cool. guys. Thanks, All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And I-